When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt back here with Mike K. Another free agency episode. We weren't sure if we were going to have to do one tonight, but a few things happened today. Uh, let's go through the minor moves first. So we got Nate Sudfeld resigned which I think we were a little surprised about, the two of us. Uh, the timing, yeah, at least. Yeah, yeah, the timing, yeah. So it seems pretty clear that maybe he didn't really have any interest, probably. Um, we'll talk about that later. Uh, Jordan Howard signed with the Dolphins. Camus Grugier-Hill signed with the Dolphins. The Eagles re-signed Jalen Mills. The Eagles re-signed Rodney McLeod. And the big one, the Eagles declined the option on Malcolm Jenkins. He is no longer going to be a Philadelphia Eagle. Like, I, mean, I, I know, since I don't – technically cover the Eagles in the same way anymore. I didn't have to deal with it as much, but what, what was, before we like get into the specifics, like what was that like hour stretch where it was like one thing after another? I think it started with Camus or did it start with Sudfeld? It was like one of those two guys. Yeah, it started with Jalen and then uh, Josina had the Jalen report and then I, I was down. Oh, I was walking my dog and the Jalen report. There, there was your mistake. There was your mistake. Yeah, obviously I was walking the dog Um and the Jalen report came out as I was coming up the elevator. And then right as I walked in the door, Camus, um, I got the text message about Camus um, uh, and confirmed that contract. And then immediately as I sit down to write, Jordan Howard then gets signed by the Dolphins. To a bigger deal than I expect, two years, $10 million. That's a pretty good deal yeah, for a running back. Yeah. a lot to say about that one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then... As I'm like finishing up Jalen Mills's article, boom, Malcolm. Like <laughs> it was, uh, it was almost like it was planned that way. Um, I know it wasn't, but like I think what happened was Mills leaked out, and then they knew that they were going to kind of have to address it at some point. So we might as well rip the bandaid off. You know yeah. what I mean? That kind. I mean, like it seemed like they were sitting on that statement. You know what I mean? So, um. Listen, I've gotten to cover some of the greatest like people in the league in my career. I covered Walter Payton, winners in Calais Campbell and Chris Long. I, I thought you were about to say you covered Walter Payton. I was like, Mike, how old are you? No, I feel I feel like I've covered Walter Payton that old. But um, you know, Calais Campbell, Chris Long, um, Brandon Graham, Paul Cameron Johnston. Yeah, Cameron Johnston, Paul Pazlozny. Um <laughs> you know, some of the really great dudes in this industry. And I've got to say of all of them, the guy I enjoyed talking to and interviewing the most was Malcolm Jenkins. I think he is, 
I wouldn't say he's my favorite player to cover, but he was easily my favorite person to go one-on-one in a conversation with because he is so intelligent and he is so thoughtful in his interviews. Nothing is, nothing is kind of off limits. He's willing to talk to you on a personal level, even when you're on the record. I just appreciated how honest he was. Um, I was the first person to get to him during the uh, Orlando Scandrick uh, fallout. And he was as real as it gets. There's a YouTube video you can search around. I think Penn Live has it where um, he says, we can't have any MFers in this locker room. And you can literally see my face. I go, whoa, like he's the type of he's he's the realist. You know what I mean? And I think he's a guy who is I don't know if he was universally respected in the locker room, but I'd say he was as close to universally respected as you could be for a player. at his position, at his uh, um, openness. Because, you know, sometimes you do say stuff and it rubs other people the wrong way. And I'm not trying to paint it as guys in the locker room disliked him, but he was so open. And when you're open, you can ruffle feathers. And he just seemed to have a a respect and carried himself with an understanding of the respect that he had in the locker room. And I I just thought uh, he was just, he was a pleasure to cover, in my opinion. Yeah, just a, just a, go on that before you started at uh ng.com i i was like trying to i was working on doing like a feature on malcolm and it didn't actually pan out like i wanted to but there was one day where i followed him around at like a charity event that he did where it was at uh like at the stem program at it was at like drexler where like young kids from like uh poor neighborhoods or whatever were getting the chance to like uh like do science experiments and stuff like that and it was like part oh that's dope it was partly because of his funding and I got to like walk around as he was like seeing all of like the money he was, he had put into it and his contributions like in real time. I saw him like seeing all the stuff they were learning and it was just like really cool seeing like all the kids just going up to him and like that, that one of his biggest impacts is all the stuff he did obviously off the field. Right. You know, with all the police brutality and all the stuff, you know, we talked to lawmakers, he became close with Meek Mill, like all, all that stuff. Um, I just think that's important to mention. He like off the field, he made a huge impact. He just released. Here, I'll, I'll read the statement. Actually, uh, he released a statement about like how he's going to keep living in Philly. But so he's, here's what he said: He said, "Dear Philly, I'm usually a man with a lot to say. I take take pride in my ability to articulate my thoughts and feelings. But today, words are escaping me. There are too many people to thank and too many great memories to single anyone out in particular. I can only say I'm grateful to Mr. Laurie for the opportunity to represent this city. I thank my teammates for making me better every single day." I thank the Warriors and the community that fight for a better Philadelphia, and I and I thank the fan base for embracing me as your own. I hope that I'm leaving having given more than I have received. That always been my mission, and I hope I represented you all well. Also, this is my home, so I'm sure you'll see me around. So this is not goodbye, but I'll see you later. And then there's like a little beer emoji, so he's drinking some beer. But uh, you know, as you're mentioning, cheers. I think that's- <laughs> yeah, it's a cheers. Yeah. Um, but like just from the personal side of things, like you were saying, like so he's one of the rare guys and over since we've covered the team, players less and less have been have been making themselves available in the locker room, I'll say. But Malcolm Jenkins, especially after like a big news item or a bad loss, he was always just waiting at his locker knowing that he had to talk to the media. And they don't that's like an old school thing to do. There's guys used to do that all the time. The leaders of a team are supposed to stand in there and take it on the take it on the chin and talk about and you know you know, Malcolm has said stuff to try and motivate his teammates. And I, I just think he, he was always very professional. He always like, he always knew what he had to say. And, you know, he was a guy who was always doing the speeches before games and, and practices. And, 
you know, so that side of things, I think the Eagles are definitely going to like miss his presence on the football side of things. Um, they're going to miss him. Obviously, you know, he's played every single snap for how many years straight? Well, he's played almost every single snap. Yeah. For yeah, three years straight. Three yeah. Years straight. But so he's, I mean, we've talked about this before. He's probably the best free agent signing in Eagles history. They don't win the Super Bowl without him. He's had a lot of great moments. I mean, that hit he had on Brandon Cooks, I'm pretty sure he's still recovering from that. Um, he's but he was a Pro Bowler, I believe, three times or two times, three, three times, with the, three with the Eagles. Uh, I mean, if you think back to when they signed him, he wasn't even like their top choice at offseason. I believe it was uh, Jarius Bird, right? Then they Correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that obviously worked out very well. Um, I, I the funny thing is, like you and I have kind of like. As the offseason has gone on, you and I have more and more thought that maybe he's going to leave. Like we even like we read referenced it earlier in the offseason, and even at, towards the end of last season, we're like, I still think he's going to come back. They probably try and work it out. But like as we kept going, and the more comments he would make, like especially in the last couple of weeks, I think on these podcasts you can listen back, and we're like, I think it's close to a fifty-fifty shot at this point or less. Or so, like the, while we kind of saw it coming, I, it still like surprised me seeing it. You know, when the announcement came. Yeah, I just wrote soon to be Eagles, soon to be ex Eagles safety Malcolm Jenkins, and I even put it in parentheses like this is weird to write. Like he seems so synonymous with the team and the brand and and the defense. Um, you know, Jim. Everybody wants to compare him to Dawkins. I don't think that's a fair comparison to him. I think Dawkins was like a twice in a generation player. I think Malcolm Jenkins was just a very, very good player, a very versatile player, um, or is a very versatile player. Uh, But similarly to how Jim Johnson kind of tailored his defense around Brian Dawkins, it really did seem like Jim Schwartz built his defense around moving uh, Jenkins around. And I think from an on-field perspective, he's one of the smartest players the Eagles have had in a very long time, great leader off the field. I will say that it did seem like his athleticism lagged a lot more this yeah. year than it had in years past. Uh, he did make a few more mistakes and admittedly. So yeah, he um, always admitted to it. He owned up to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the impact of the move uh, of the, the move for fans is going to be emotional. I think in the long run, a 32 year old, if you're paying, you know, the money he probably wanted, I think he wanted like significant money. And, you know, you've got to decide at some point, do you set that precedent? Because, you know, we're going to have a serious, they're going to have a serious conversation to be had about Fletcher Cox in a year. Um, You know, I mean, that said though, they just gave uh, uh, Rodney McLeod, who turns 30 on June 23rd, uh, the same time that I turned 32, the <laughs> a two-year contract. So he'll basically be here till he's uh, Jenkins' age. And so, like, to me, Jenkins is still the better player, but I think they just didn't want to have him into that 34-year range. And it kind of made sense. You With a guy that age, you don't know how many years he's going to play. You don't want to get hung up with, yeah, he's been durable, but... You know, play can drop off, especially at the safety position. He's played a ton of snaps, um, you know, and he takes a lot of punishment. And I just, uh, 
I don't think it was the wrong decision from a financial standpoint. I do worry about how the locker room is going to stick together after this one. He is a guy, at least in my in our first year of covering the team, I felt like he totally kept the defense together during that run, that last run with yeah. Nick Foles. Uh, do, do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, especially look at the guys that were, you know, Craven LeBlanc they picked up off the street, Avante Maddox was a fourth-round pick who – they had thought was going to be a special teams guy. Um, Rizal Douglas was kind of thrown into the fight. Like he, he definitely like carried. And Rodney McLeod was after the year, right? Um, I mean, but, yeah. But I was going to say, so I don't think they necessarily like didn't want to bring Malcolm back. I think this is pretty obvious that they didn't value him at like the level that he valued himself. Correct. Yeah. And I think that's fair for both sides. I don't. I don't imagine there's any ill will. We we don't know what the because. So remember, if you remember, like there was some talk you would hold out. And then Jeffrey Lurie talked to him. And so everybody kind of assumed he promised him he would get him more money. And that never happened. So I don't know, like, what that conversation entailed. But he thanked Jeffrey Lurie. He was the only person he named in that. In that right. Team. So, I, I mean, so clearly, like, maybe there was an understanding that they were going to move on even back then. I don't know. Um, but I will say, you know, like, like you mentioned, like, it, it makes sense. But it, it all kind of depends on how they – replace him also correct that, yes. that's kind of the way we judge this because I, I would say on paper right now i know it's early in free agency the only thing the eagles have done is sign a defensive tackle and their secondary is pretty much in shambles at this point if you look at it uh the linebacker group needs significant upgrades i mean people have said malcolm was basically a linebacker and he's gone and so is nadra bradham and so is Camus gruger hill like they don't have any linebackers that you can be confident in so it, it, this all kind of just depends on what the Eagles are trying to do. Like you could, the fact that they re-sign McLeod makes makes it seem like they're not like rebuilding, full on rebuilding. But like it, it is interesting. Like we're gonna we're gonna live in a world where Jason Peters and Malcolm Jenkins are wearing different uniforms, which is gonna be very strange. But um, just to just to go to like what happens now, you know, I one of the more interesting things to come out of this whole thing was the way the Jalen Mills news was reported. It, like it, it came right before Malcolm, so it kind of felt like maybe the Malcolm thing was about to drop. But basically the reporting was he's back one year, $5 million, I believe was the number, and he's going to be a hybrid safety corner, which is basically what Malcolm played. And I, li- I like Jalen. We both have said that he should be a safety, but I don't really like the idea of him being a hybrid guy, to be honest. I don't, I don't know if you want to replace Malcolm with a guy who's never played safety in the NFL before. That's all I'm saying. I, I so I didn't read it that way, and and I haven't really talked to anybody who's been able to clarify. But from my under like from my thinking, I think he's going to be the third safety. I think he's going to be Corey Graham. Uh, he's a guy who can play in coverage. He can play in the nickel role. He'll be the he could maybe be the big big nickel. Um, I don't think they're done at safety. Everything I've been told this week is that they are really looking at the safety market. This was before. Jalen and before Rodney came back, but I was told that they were really keeping an eye on the external safety market. That's why I was so surprised by some of these moves. That's why when you asked me, I think earlier on the week, like if I thought that if if I thought that Rodney was going to be back, I was kind of wavering and kind of leaning towards no. They bring back Rodney. Here's the problem. I, I'll, I'm, I'm like talking in circles. Here's the issue. It's like you said earlier, how they counterbalance losing Malcolm Jenkins. Because if you look on paper, you can talk about how old Malcolm Jenkins is. He is their best DB by like a country mile. Oh, yeah. Um, and you're getting rid of him and you're bringing back Jalen Mills and Roddy McLeod, both of whom played 
kind of poor. I mean, Mills for sure did not play well. McLeod, at, the the, at the end of the year, McLeod kind of fell off, I think. Yeah, I, I didn't think he played all that well either. Uh, it's part of the reason why I was under the impression that they stopped negotiating during their losing streak. Um, because McLeod's second half was definitely not as good as his first half. Uh, so I'm a little concerned there. He's also 30, like you said. Um, but then again, he is coming off a knee injury that maybe takes two years to kind of heal. I don't, and again, I don't feel like good, that good about making that gamble too. So you can make excuses and stuff like that. I thought a lot of his issues were mentally, uh, related, but whatever. Anyway. So if you're just bringing back two guys, you still need a two starting wide. Uh, sorry, two, two start. I've been like my brain's not working today. You need two starting. <laughs> long day. Yeah, you need two starting corners, and you probably need a starting safety. You also need a starting linebacker. You need two starting wide receivers. We're already through like the initial burst of free agency. Don't don't get me wrong. There's some stellar DBs and other stuff like that out there. They're just not elite players. And so bringing back Roddy McLeod and Jalen Mills on a position switch does not, does not create the sense of encouragement that you probably wanted from the first two days of negotiations. Do you agree with that? Ask me that again. Sorry. I I was reading uh, a tweet. Oh, no worries. Um, like, how do you feel about bringing back Jalen Mills on a position switch and then bringing back Rodney McLeod, who kind of struggled to free safety towards the end of last year, while also getting rid of your best defensive yeah. back? It just, to me, it doesn't yeah. make a lot of... Yeah, that, that, was, that, was kind of, that was kind of what I was trying to get at earlier. It's like they needed to improve the secondary quite a bit. They just brought back two of the guys that were already on the team last year. So they really haven't upgraded their biggest need areas, which are secondary linebacker and wide receiver. So I, I, it's still early. So it's like, like last year, you know, we were wondering when they were ever going to get a running back and they eventually did. So you have to give them the benefit of the doubt, but they need to go out and get a safety and they need to go out and get a veteran cornerback. I don't, a lot of the corners have been going off the market. Trey Wayne signed today for quite a bit of money, actually. Yeah. That's yeah. an ungodly contract. I don't know how that happened. 14 million a year. Where did he sign again? I can't remember. Cincinnati. He got three years, 42 million. That's nuts. <laughs> Some of, the, like, some of the contracts have been – like, Corey Littleton got less money than I expected. Like, I, the amount of money he got, I would have been okay if the Eagles signed him. But, I mean, that didn't happen. He signed with Ray. Anyway, um, so they need, a, they need a sign of safety who can do at least some of the things that Malcolm did. They need to do a corner who can be the number one corner because if they're making Jalen Mills a safety anyway, then all of a sudden you still are relying on Sidney Jones and Rosal Douglas and Craven LeBlanc and Avante Maddox. Like, that's just not good enough. So – I'm, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do. I know you and I suggested a couple of guys, uh, Will Parks and Von Bell. They're both young. They're not near as good as Malcolm Jenkins. And ideally, they're not your number one safety. But in the, on this team, they probably would be, right? Yeah, I mean, well, I'll yeah, give you one more. I'll give you one more. Carl Joseph. Uh, uh, yeah, I like him a lot, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so they just the Raiders just signed Jeff Heath from the, the Cowboys today. Uh, Carl Joseph probably isn't going back to Las Vegas. Well, I guess to Las Vegas, because you can't really go back to Las Vegas uh, because they were in Oakland, obviously. Um, he's a guy that can kind of move around. Uh, he can be a dime linebacker. Honestly, if I were them, I would still sign two linebackers and two safeties. I would sign yeah. Parks and I would sign um, 
Joseph. But I and think then, Joseph, then, you, then, you, then use all your draft assets on wide receivers, linemen, all that kind of stuff. And what I'll say is Joseph kind of has the career that Malcolm had. Um, he didn't switch positions from corner to safety, but he was also kind of an underwhelming, you know, kind of middle of the rung first round pedigree guy when he became a free agent and signed with the Eagles. Cause like you said, he wasn't really considered a top tier free agent, but Carl Joseph to me is a guy who's got really good athleticism. He's got good size. He's a former first round pick. He's also from West Virginia. He was drafted around the time where they love West Virginia. Yeah. Where the Eagles were drafting a lot of West Virginia guys. I do wonder if he's kind of in the, in, in the discussion. I haven't heard anything personally. Um, but you know, he's an interesting cat. And then corner Prince of Mucamara is sitting out there. I think yep. he'd make a, I think he'd be a huge upgrade over Mills and, and Darby just on that standpoint alone. But I think he'd be a really good number two cornerback, especially as a veteran. If you're going to draft a rookie, like an AJ Terrell or a Troy pride junior in the second or third round, and you want them to be a long-term starter to have that guy be the number one corner opposite Prince, I think is really good. I think if you wanted a guy like Jeff Gladney in, in the first round, um, Prince can relate to him. He's a former first round pick. Uh, he's a lot better than a lot of people have a perception of him from his time with the Giants, but um, I'm a big fan of Prince's and as here, a person. Here, why don't I go through some of the free agents that are still available at corner? Cause a yeah, bunch sure, of go for it. So, so the, a few of the ones that signed, James Bradbury, Byron Jones, Kendall Fuller, Darquise Denard. I uh, never heard of Justin Burris. I didn't even know that was. Hey, he's like a special teams level guy. Uh, Trey Waynes. And then you have, so Trufant wasn't actually released yet, was he? No, he has not been released yet, which is Sorry. very I guess interesting. You for him, in theory. Yeah. Xavier Rhodes, we both have said he's not good. Uh, Chris Harris, I mean, they were interested in him at the trade deadline. Uh, he is a little older, though, is the issue. Logan Ryan, it's more of a slot corner. Uh, Nicole Roby Coleman was just released today. He's a slot corner, also, I believe. Eli Apple, uh, old friend Daryl Worley, who will not be coming back here. Um, Kevin Johnson, Bashad Breland, Mackenzie Alexander, Jalen Watkins, old friend. Uh, oh, here, here, I got something interesting that Tom Pelissero just wrote that's kind of related um, when you brought up trades. Tom Pelissero reports uh, of NFL media reports NFL executives and coaches received a memo tonight recommending clubs should consider including contingency language and trade agreements to account for a scenario where a player is unable to take and pass a physical because of the special rules regarding CO or COVID-19 coronavirus per sources. That's very interesting. And I'm wondering if that's holding up some trades. Yeah. Anyway, sorry to cut you off course. No, 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 you're you're fine. But but do do any of those names tickle your eardrums? I should, I guess. Um, honestly, reading that, I just totally forgot about everybody. But uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, Chris Harris, Prince Mukamara, Logan Ryan. I mean, uh, I like Logan Ryan. He's a Voorhees guy. Uh, <laughs> but he's mostly a slot guy. If you feel good about moving Maddox outside, who I actually thought played better outside in two thousand. Uh, 18 than I than he did inside in 2019. So maybe you make him the number two corner and you move Logan Ryan inside. Um, he's a guy who can play outside. He played outside in uh, you know, in base formation, but nickel he would move inside. He's he's fine. Um, you know, uh, look, you're not going to get a guy who's going to be 
surprise all-star the way that uh, Jenkins was when they signed him. But I think you can get some guys like Amukamara and True. If they can get Amukamara in on a one-year contract and Trufant on a two-year contract, they've got two older guys. They can kind of shop Rasul Douglas and Sidney Jones uh, and then maybe draft a guy or two and get them ready for the next step. But Everybody wants to get younger at corner. The problem is you're not going to probably rely on two rookie corners for a team that's retooling and not rebuilding. They've paid Carson Wentz. They need to win. Like you don't just rebuild now that you've paid guys. They're still paying Fletcher Cox a ton of money. Brandon Graham's older and they're paying him. Malik Jackson, they just signed Javon Hargrave to a three-year massive deal. They're not rebuilding. So to go into this season with two rookie cornerbacks, I, I, ugh, you know what I mean? So I do think they need to bring some age in at corner. And I think Marcus Trufant's a guy, or sorry, Desmond Trufant is Marcus Trufant's cousin who played in the league for several years. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Desmond Trufant makes a lot of sense to me. And um, it's either, he's either his cousin or his little brother. I can't remember. Um, they're related. You can yeah, they're that. definitely re- related. They both went to Washington too, I believe. Um, which they also like. They also like guys from Washington. So um, Prince and, and Desmond would be an ideal pairing, I think. They're a little bit older, but you know, if you get them on a short-term deal, I, I think they make a lot of sense. I agree. All right, bef- uh, before we get going, I know you said you wanted to touch on Jordan Howard's contract. Yeah. Oh man. Two years, more than $10 million, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. Did not see that coming. Uh, especially we're going to get Melvin Gordon. That was what everybody was saying. Yeah. Um, and he is a similar style without the receiving ability, I guess. But, like, man, you know, he got traded for a conditional sixth-round pick. And then on top of that, missed six of the last seven or so games with a shoulder stinger that still never seemed to be like fully like operational. Cause he played one snap in the season finale and then didn't play at all in the playoffs with the coronavirus situation going on. You can't really take physicals. What a weird contract to offer. I know the dolphins have a plethora of funds, but like, wow. Cause I, I think I said on the podcast a while back, 3.5 million is probably about as high as I would go. Um, and even that was pushing it for me. I thought two and a half million made a lot of sense, but man, they're going to need a new ground and pound back. I think they get that in the draft. I think Boston Scott's here to stay. And uh, obviously Miles Sanders, in my opinion, is a future superstar, but wow, that's a change. Uh, Grugier Hill makes sense for the Dolphins. Um, you know, I, I think we talked about V going to the Lions yesterday Sudfeld, let's talk about Sudfeld really quick. I, I know we're we're kind of you know short for time. Uh, the reason why I think it makes sense is because Case Keenum is probably the only guy that fit the mold of experience backup with starting experience that you could get maybe for a mid level contract. It turns out the Browns super overpaid for him, um, and maybe he'll he's insurance for Baker Mayfield, a guy that the current front office didn't select. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, Sudfeld's contract's not impressive. They can easily get out of it. Uh, so he's going to make $2 million. He's got a, a $1 million in incentives, but he's only got 500000 guaranteed. So if he loses the number two job to your guy, Kyle Laletta or 
they draft a guy like Anthony Gordon from Washington State. Yeah, I'm on the, that hill. Or they sign another veteran like a Jameis Winston. Um, they can easily cut Nate. Um, Nate's a really likable guy. Uh, very good teammate. They have passed over him several times. They kept Nick Foles when they probably should have traded him at his highest peak. They signed Josh McCown the second that Nate Sudfield got injured, even though they could have kept Cody Kessler for for realistically four games and then, you know, ran with it. Kessler backed up Tom Brady pretty much all last year. If the Patriots are okay with him, I'm sure the Eagles could have been too. Um, I don't know. What's your thoughts on Sudfeld? Because I, I, I'm just – I'm surprised by the rush to sign him. It, I think it just maybe his agent got the sense that he didn't have that much interest league wide, so he wanted to get back in the building before the Eagles went and signed somebody else. Would be my guess because the fact that it's a one year deal also, I feel like plays into that. Um, I mean, they they clearly like him a lot. They keep bringing him back. Um, maybe this will finally be a chance to be the number two guy. I don't know. Like you said, I feel like they're going to draft somebody, and you can't really carry four quarterbacks. So unless they really aren't that high in them and they get a veteran or McCown comes back and then they cut him or trade him or something. But um, I get the, I get the sense that it's going to be a year by year thing with him at this point. Who McCown or Sudfeld? No, uh, no Sudfeld. Like year, each year they'll do a one year deal kind of thing. Unless he proves, unless he steps in for an injured once and plays really well or something like that. See, I'm of the mind that um, the guy needs to prove that he can be a backup. A third string quarterback is typically a guy who is either a future coach who serves kind of as an assistant coach, a guy like Tyler. Um, I want to say, uh, what's his name um, from. Uh, there's a kid that was in Kansas city with Matt Nagy, who he brought over. Uh, he played at Tennessee. I'm trying to remember. What, anyway, the third string guy is typically a developmental player. At this point, Nate's the same age, you know, as most, you know, backups like he needs to be able to show that he's the guy and gain that trust because they're paying Carson so much money that paying a, a veteran backup at this point in his career doesn't make a ton of sense um and they just keep giving they keep stringing Nate along from a from the standpoint of they keep bringing him back like you said but eventually he's got to take the brass ring of being that long-term backup because you want a guy, a Jim Sorgi, a Curtis Painter. While he's not a starter level player, you want a guy who Carson's comfortable with, who he can turn to at all times, who automatically knows the offense like the back of his hand. And I think Nate wants to be that guy. I think the team wants him to be that guy. He's just got to show that he is that guy. I agree. All right. Uh, we'll end on that note. Um, I'm guessing the Eagles will make the free agency starts officially tomorrow at or Wednesday at 4 p.m. We're recording this on Tuesday night, depending on when you listen to this. Um, I imagine there'll be another signing probably by then, right? The Eagles will probably sign a safety or something. Maybe. You never never know with the Eagles. They'll either do it like early or they'll wait until like midnight tomorrow when we're both asleep. Or they'll release it when like 10 other things related to them are happening. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. Nothing easy. I made a joke. uh, So like, you know who John Cena is, right? He's mainstream enough. So he, as a wrestler, he's known for having a very limited skill move set. And so they call him the, uh, the four moves of fury. I said earlier on Twitter that the, the last 30 minutes will be known as 
the four roster moves of fury because like they just came rapidly, man. That was a, uh, I feel like I was in a war zone at that point. Uh, not to make light of that, but like, wow, it was like, I, I had bullets flying everywhere. It was crazy. <laughs> All right. We'll end on that note. Um, thanks for listening guys. Uh, we'll have another one tomorrow. If there's a, another notable move, if not, I'm sure we'll have one again pretty soon, but uh, make sure you leave us some comments and write us some reviews and, once we do like a full-on pod, we'll start reading some of those. Thanks for listening, guys.